Hello, friends. Welcome to this week's Trash Future. We've got a new episode in the works for you, but due to scheduling, we're not going to have it out until later in the week. So please enjoy this unlocked bonus episode featuring us and Soito Kinch, a jazz musician and MC. And remember that many more episodes just like this are available on the Patreon. And thus it was born. Thus listen unto my loins. Well, well, Roger Scruton. <laughs> but not women's loins. Not, no. the, not the craven clitoral loins of the fatter sex. Um, I find those weird, and it's a universal thing. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> this not because I'm a weird nerd. I have rational loins. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, Roger Scruton has such rational loins. Rational loins is my, lap, my rap name. <laughs> All right, pop in the theme song there. Hello once again, and welcome back to Trash Future, the podcast that you are currently listening to. Mm. I am, as ever, Riley, and I'm here in studio with Milo Edwards. Uh, It's me, your boy. Hello. Uh, Nate on the boards. Hello, me again. Uh, Alice calling in from Glasgow, where Hello. she ordinarily yes. is calling in from. Uh, calling in from my deathbed, because I have yeah. Zika or something. Yeah. <laughs> so this is going to be Alice's last episode, and it'll be played. Yeah. Uh, at- uh, thank yeah, exactly. you for easing my suffering and like spiriting me off this mortal coil with whatever this is going to be. Alice has taken to her bed in protest at conditions in the Crimean War. (laughs) (laughs) And we are also joined by jazz saxophonist uh, and MC, Soweto Kinch. How are you doing, man? I'm good. Good. Good to be here. So we uh, we we met in uh, in Bristol actually after Indeed. Bristol transformed. Yeah, yeah. Um, you sort of you sort of stumbled into our live show and we're like, well, I need to see if they can do this again. Exactly. <laughs> Without the bereft of the crowd. Exactly. <laughs> bereft of bereft of the crowd. I would say sixty percent of whom were, were fans and into it, and forty percent of whom had wandered in from a walking tour. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, this isn't what we signed up for. My target audience. <laughs> Bemu- the bemused and elderly. These people have said nothing about Jack the Ripper whatsoever. <laughs> um, so I figure we've got lots to cover today, so I thought mm. we might as well jump right into it. Um, I've decided to start things off, as I so often do, with one of these startup companies. You're familiar mm. with the concept of a startup company, of course. I oh yeah, baby, we run one. <laughs> Technically, I guess yeah, it sort of is. Scheme of things, what is this but a startup? Yeah. I was at a gig the other day and there was a girl doing stand-up who said like, oh, um, I, I the other day I matched with someone on Tinder and I was really intimidated because he was the CEO of a company. And I went on stage afterwards and I was like, I am legitimately the CEO of a company. It means nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone Anyone can, can be. It. Yeah. You could all be CEOs of a company. If you oh, read yeah. my new business book, CEO of your own life, applying, the, <laughs> applying <laughs> business secrets to everyday encounters, you too can become the CEO of your own breakfast, lunch, dinner, commute. Mm. I'm okay. only COO of my own life. I've been demoted. <laughs> Real question. Well, what does that actually stand for? It's company executive? Chief, Chief executive, executive officer. officer. Yeah. Right. yeah. Right. As I, I think the idea that being COO of your own life is what like Rodney Dangerfield writes about his wife, but as mm. a business mindset book, like, yeah, I get no respect. I'm, C- I'm COO. My wife's the CEO. <laughs> anyway. My kids, they're the shareholders. <laughs> can't uh, catch a break around here. No, this is... I can't, I can't remember if I've said this on the podcast before, but the funniest part... One of the funniest things you could really prop, you could really think of is the idea that of Rodney Dangerfield being a submissive and just being rock hard constantly because he gets uh, no. no respect. 
<laughs> and oh, for this, God. I'm, I'm okay. dying. I'll try right. and get that out of my head for the next. <laughs> All right. Extremely on so brand in the first Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, no. some kind of therapy. We, we, we actually were quite restrained Every in Bristol kind. compared yeah. to how it normally is, apparently. So, I've got a startup. Uh, this is from this is a quote from the startups um, page. I'm not actually going to say what the name is because it makes it too obvious what it does. This is a, this is the main quote from their page. Mm-hmm. Andy Warhol said, "Quote: The most beautiful thing in Tokyo is McDonald's. The most beautiful thing in Stockholm is McDonald's. The most beautiful thing in Florence is McDonald's. Peking in Moscow don't or didn't at the time of the quoting have anything beautiful yet." Wow, Andy Warhol sounds like a fucking asshole. <laughs> yes. Wait, sorry. <laughs> so is this something to do with McDonald's? <laughs> You'd think so. No. <laughs> they then goes on. Blank has to be beautiful. So <sighs> something that only exists in developed countries and non-communisty ones. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like it, it, it can't it can't exist anywhere where there's there's a strong central government that's not making apps. In the future, everyone will be famous for fifteen minutes and have great great choices on the pound saver menu. <laughs> <laughs> um. Is it like some kind of racist algorithm that avoids <laughs> yellow and black and brown people? <laughs> Look, that's one of the three types of companies that we talk about on this show. Okay. This is, in terms of asinine to insidious, this is hard on the asinine scale of the spectrum. Um, okay. how, how much of your personal data does it sell or like harvest? None. Neither. Doesn't wow. interact with your personal okay, data. Okay, that is unusual for us. It's go, go, mm. it's, we cycle back. He's talking about how the most beautiful thing anywhere is McDonald's. Um, blank has to be beautiful. There will be no ugly place left after this. It's not specifically McDonald's, but what could be beautiful about a McDonald's to someone like Andy Warhol? So is it something that lets you get your favorite fast food anywhere in the world? Standardized. <laughs> mm. Okay, that's it. This is- well, does it wait, is what, is what Andy Warhol loves about McDonald's, the clown? Is that, that seems like the sort of thing that like, Andy Warhol's like, I have long been fascinated by the Hamburglar. <laughs> what is it that motivates the Hamburglar? His only desire in life is to steal hamburgers. I love how your Andy Warhol voice is just slightly more pensive Donald Trump. <laughs> wait, Although, he's not wrong though. It's like yeah, Donald Trump's seductive voice. <laughs> to be fair, to be fair, slightly more pensive Donald Trump, absolutely absolutely destroys the character of Donald Trump. Like, <laughs> pensive is not a word yeah. Donald Trump even knows. It doesn't exist. The man yeah. has never sort of looked longingly out of a window while smoking a cigarette and, and dreaming about what the, the um, real estate deal that got away. Mm. No, so, <laughs> but what does it mean to make a deal? So we are, I'm going to keep going because this is extremely obtuse and it's so stupid you're never going to guess it. John I promise. Trump. It's, just, it's fucking Sartre, but it's Trump <laughs> smoking in Galois. <laughs> we cannot comprehend what it is that drives the hamburger <laughs> to these to these feats of inhuman indulgence. <laughs> but we can only say that there is no God. <laughs> Pensive Jason Statham is the one that's coming to mind. Listen, Cupcake, in a sense, we are all the hamburger. <laughs> okay. We are creating a media blank with a potential coverage of 7 billion people on the planet. Uh-huh. Also, <laughs> media is, is plural. So you, like, it's a Russian yeah. company. Okay. We are creating a media. Look, it's, the thing is, it's so asinine. It's so incredibly stupid. You're never going to get it. So, like, does... Is, it's is, not, is it some you're kind all of too like, clever for this, right. trust me. Mm. TV with, like, no, uh, like, linguistic content, so you don't have to translate it for other Bigger. markets. 
Bigger. Bigger. Larger. Physically it's, larger. It's Instagram, but only for pictures of your ass. Bigger. A, a, a and giant larger. plinth with Physically larger. Yeah. Bigger than my ass? <laughs> <laughs> Physically bigger. Mm. Oh, okay. So it's like a larger device. Yeah. Um, it's, like a, it's like a huge screen so everyone in Moscow can watch the same TV at the same time. <laughs> no. No, don't point at me like that. Surely not. Oh, my goodness. Wow. What? This is the closest anyone has come by a mile. Is it a big touch screen then? They can all make orders. A Russian company called Start Rocket says it it is going to launch a cluster of CubeSats into space that will act as an orbital billboard. No. Oh, no. Yes. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) Is this like the one where they're going to make a constellation or whatever? Like it's the stars that spell out McDonald's or whatever? Pepsi. Oh, Oh, my God. God. (laughs) Jesus Christ. That's so perfect that it's Pepsi and not even Coke. Like that it's... (laughs) Coke doesn't need Coke doesn't need to fuck with like advertising in the stars. They're still number yeah. one. Whereas Pepsi is like creating a cold fusion generator to give birth to a new black hole. We have created a new galaxy, and we'll simply read Mr. Pib. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just so struck Max by the idea Blip. of like thousands of years into the future. Uh, extraterrestrial life finds the barren remains of our planet with like <laughs> our tomb world with nothing left except the giant Pepsi billboard. <laughs> they worshipped these as gods. <laughs> yeah. yeah, what an episode! <laughs> of course, there'll be an alternative blimp as well. That they can sort of compare, mm. t- t- taste which one they thought was better. <laughs> the, the Pepsi blimp test. Here's the thing: <laughs> they're not advertising Pepsi. They're advertising something much, much better. I'm just imagining a version of Interstellar where they go through the wormhole and are just confronted with a huge galaxy that says Iron Brew. <laughs> <laughs> the system will promote. Will um. As its first client, will PepsiCo will use this system to promote, quote, a campaign against stereotypes and unjustified prejudices against gamers on behalf of a drink <laughs> called Adrenaline Rush. What? Holy what? fucking <laughs> shit. <sighs> so this the constellation, can't be real, The constellation is meant to end prejudice against gamers. Yes. This By is making absolutely a gamers seem really annoying and ubiquitous. <laughs> because it has <laughs> to be. This because has who, to be who someone- left on this planet? We don't say the G word on this show. <laughs> this is two guys with an office going, okay, we'll take all of your money in order to like put gamers rise up on the side of the moon. <laughs> this is this has such a strong Soviet energy. Or just everything is like, what if that but in space? <laughs> I'm just Okay, thinking- you have heard of dogs. Yes, you understand the concept of dog. Okay, now imagine dog. But in space, I'm just I'm just laughing because it's like, hey, sexy. There are very few people left on this planet who can truly navigate by the stars alone, and some of them are you know Polynesian fishermen, but other ones mm-hmm. are people who just played a lot of the Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild. Yeah. And so, like in the grand scheme of things, this might be a chance for gamers to prove themselves. I love the section of the Venn diagram, which is just Polynesian fishermen who have also played a lot of Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild, and they're being discriminated against. I, I mean, are they imagining just ordinary people will look up in the sky, see this thing, and go, "I was gonna." punch the living crap out of a gamer, but I won't now. <laughs> I'll have a Pepsi instead. <laughs> you know, it's called Adrenaline Rush. Oh. Same Ooh. great taste. <laughs> Same great taste, but with understanding for gamers. None of, <laughs> none of the gaming-motivated violence. <laughs> you know, it's because that's also, like, that's, that's who we need to make sure we're combating negative stereotypes about is gamers. 
Yeah, it's so, not oh, all you, gamers you, have heated gaming moments. I was going to say, you do realize mm-hmm. that the moment that gamers get control of an artificial constellation, they're just going to use it to like dox women journalists. There's going to be people's phone numbers written in the sky, like oh, yeah. call them yeah. and harass them or something. Like, like, I can't, well, why is the sky saying racial slurs? <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to like, 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 they like, have my, like, my, like, my kid and just point out to me, like, that's the Big Dipper. That's Orion's belt. That's sub to PewDiePie. <laughs> very cool. It's very, it's very cool that they're like, you know what? There's the one bit of the, of not even the earth. There's one bit of like the field of experience of normal human beings we haven't monetized yet. So let's put an ad for an energy drink about there that's targeted not to gamers, but towards people with bad opinions about gamers. The only <laughs> legacy of our species. Oh, I mean, I like, exactly. I love the idea that like we might very soon enter in a period in human history where like we can't even fly on planes and there's no way to get around outside between continents. And at some point we're like, like you know, It'll be nostalgia to think back on these times when we used to like rearrange the stars to be nicer to gamers. Like yeah. just I the think, mere concept of that being a priority would just be yeah. so insane. I, but I the love funniest the idea. thing would be if we do all of that. We have the Kessler syndrome. We can't fly anymore. We certainly can't go into space. But it's still up there. We're just <laughs> stuck on this dying world, looking up. <laughs> and ironically, at this point, the only drink is adrenaline rush because yeah. the oceans have dried up. Everything else is irradiated. Yeah, exactly. It's like idiocracy. Damn. Yeah. Um, Damn, a documentary. Uh, well, my favorite thing, though, is to imagine that the aliens coming in thousands of years' time when, like, that is the only thing that's left of our species, and they're just, like, cobbling together, like, bits of newsprint from that ad, and they were like, Damn, I guess gamers must have been the slaves. <laughs> they uh, must yes. have been the most discriminated G- against. Gamers, they always built the pyramids. <laughs> oh, <damn> yeah. yes. <laughs> Great minds. So I'll, the I'll, gamers were Irish? <laughs> I'll, I'll, finish, I'll finish out this, this segment, um, because here's the thing. That thing you said earlier about... Um, the Trump Sartre collab, they kind of end in that energy. Oh, excellent. We are ruled by brands and events. Project leader Vlad Sitnikov told uh, Futurism at the time the Super Bowl, Coca Cola, Brexit, the Olympics, Mercedes, FIFA, Supreme, and the Mexican border wall. The economy is the <laughs> blood system of society. <laughs> what? Did you oh, see damn, that we thing Pete Buttigieg did where he had like a specimen of font and he created his own placeholder text that was like just words a liberal might say? So Liberalism. It, was, it was like corporate social responsibility, Black Lives Matter. It was it just was a whole paragraph of this. That's what this is. Glued together. Yeah. Oh, so There's good. a part of me that just laughs because this is basically like a dark version of like if, if the Soviet Union had made like a parody of Western capitalism it's like they want to rearrange the status to advertise cola like <laughs> but they're actually doing it oh in real yeah life. this seems to be a, a frequent trope on this show that the USSR and the capitalist West sort of flipped I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's only like one or two degrees removed from the plot of Despicable Me in which a man wants to steal the moon. But in this case, it's like, <laughs> I mean, why steal the moon when you can steal the stars, apparently? Exactly. It's, it's realistically, this is something that like a Bond villain would have done, but not a recent Daniel Craig Bond villain where they all have realistic aims. This would have but been like, one of those racist James Bond movies where like he changes into an or, Asian person. Or or like a, which is real. I don't know if you've seen that, but there is a James Bond movie in which he literally gets like his skin changed to be Asian James Bond. Yeah, that's Bond. a Pierce Brosnan one. That's no, like it's a not. 1990s no, it's one. Not. It's, it's happened twice. It's, it's, in that um, case, it's happened twice. Wait, yeah, when did you Sean only Connery live twice? No, sorry, wait. The, you the only Pierce twice. Brosnan. Okay, then Pierce also, Brosnan, sorry, I mean. there was, was another case where something similar happened in The World Is Not Enough, um, where uh, a North Korean guy gets like, sh- gets like, falls in like a vat of very sharp diamonds and then gets uh, plastic surgery to look white. Oh, yeah. Wow. I hate when that happens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. I'll see on times. <laughs> so apparently- do that in films and it was totally cool. <laughs> 
So apparently this is this but is the idea now... is that it's as a disguise, right? Because he wants to pretend that he's like a Westerner. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe Ralph Northam should have said that. After <laughs> Jesus Christ. No, I mean I agree it's fucked up the other way round. But like, <laughs> <laughs> no, the other way around like... is just what people accuse me of doing on Twitter. It's just <laughs> Also, crucially, like blackface is not trying to look like a black person. Like that's no. not what black people look like. It's really not. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay. All right. I, that was that was going to be a quick hit uh, from our friends at Start Rocket, who have rearranged the stars. To, <laughs> who no. said to gamers, "I I will bring you the moon," but instead brought them the stars. Um, yeah. Okay. So basically. Because because we we have an an artist with us today, uh, we we decided we want to talk a little bit about creativity. Riley, it- first of all, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> the recognition I deserve at long last. <laughs> that and all all of your weird shirts that proclaim that you're a parent. Hundred percent. Usually it's proud Navy mom. Today it's Stanford dad. Yeah, I need to expand the collection. Which One is of a, a polite way of saying your four shirts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I need to just own more shirts. Sorry, so I, sorry, no, I, I cut you off. Eh? What were you saying? No, I was going to deprint these yourself, or they no, like, widely so available. I bought this in the Stanford University merchandise store, which is huge. It's like a fucking Walmart, and you can buy Stanford University anything. You can buy like Stanford University dog shoes. They're incredible. Uh, and so I was in there with a mate of mine who'd wanted to go in there, and God I was like, bless "Well, America. yeah." I was like, "Now I have to buy something in here because it's so fucking weird." And then we alighted on on this Stanford Dad T-shirt, uh, which uh, it was my birthday, so he bought it for me as a birthday present, and thus uh-huh. the yeah, they now. Go. It's one of the four. It's one of my four t-shirts, yeah. <laughs> I only have room for four t-shirts, Riley. I don't have a house. <laughs> so we found, or we by we I mean I, have found five, <laughs> five rituals that spark creativity at Amazon, Pinterest, and Flipboard. And Flipboard. We're gonna yeah, Flipboard's like a like a, it's fa- a news aggregator site. Yeah, it's, like it's, a, it's an app that basically you sign up by interest, but it's weird because it's terrible at recognizing the the quality of sources. And so, like for mm-hmm. example, if you sign up and you're on Flipboard and you're like, I want to look at from news about mm-hmm. electric cars, it just gives you every pr- Tesla press release oh, okay, over great. and over and over again because that's what news is. Exactly. Yeah, uh, it, that's it, the it, most it, objective. Yeah. yeah, it's like tortoise, but what if it was worse? It seemed yeah. to be competed out of the market by gettingyourdicksucked.com. <laughs> it's also hilarious you sign up for UK politics. Sorry, it's an American we, app. Have we talked about this on the show at we all? Have no, we have no. not. We tweeted about it. <laughs> I want to know, but I don't. <laughs> Look, okay. Here's, <laughs> this is something Milo- Welcome to how every listener to this podcast always <laughs> like, feels. This is, some, this is something Milo and I were talking about the other mm. day. How much money would it take to get a team of like pedigree, like crack, incredible journalists to do like hard news, investigative reporting, like the kind of stuff that journalism just isn't, doesn't really support anymore. And we were just able to make, like run it at a loss. And it's this incredible site. It's on every roundup. But the catch is it's called gettingyourdicksuck.com. <laughs> and so everyone has to just cite this website because the journalism is incredible. But BBC has to run these like, like Cat Paul quotes and it says gettingyourdicksuck.com underneath. I feel like that would get normalized really quickly. Really like everyone oh, rolled their eyes at the Washington Post's democracy dies in darkness thing. But that was just there. You just have to get used to it. I mean, so, like the Daily Beast was a joke from a sitcom and they turned it into a, a site that's actually like, yeah. pretty well known. So, I mean, that's only a few steps removed from gettingyourdicksuck.com. <laughs> <laughs> the Daily 
getting your dick sucked. friends in the Daily Beast. Don't get cocky. You're only a couple of steps above getting your dick sucked. A website which doesn't yet exist, but will. Look, if enough people donate to the Patreon, we will start gettingyourdicksucked.com, but then hire journalists and pay them well. <laughs> We've okay. never had our dicks up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so these are the five rituals that spark creativity at Amazon, Pinterest, and Flipboard. Amazing. Creativity and innovation happen when people break the script, as uh, scare quotes, uh. and make non-obvious connections. Rituals can provide a structure for people with a, who want to switch to cr- a creative mindset and push the boundaries of the ordinary. This is starting to sound like the Pete Buttigieg fucking weird (laughs) racism text. Yeah. It's just kind of how companies try and co-opt all the cool, trendy hipness of art, isn't it? Mm. Try to make it warm and fuzzy while still being monolithic and faceless and evil. Without investing in art ever. (laughs) I'm just struck by the idea of keeping the weirdness so the daily rituals are actually real, like, obscure Tumblr wit shit. You know, <laughs> just take this bag yeah, of thigh bones that we stole from a cemetery. At Amazon, we came up with a new shock collar that won't quite kill employees. I thought, I thought about it while I was killing this chicken. What was that? Remember that woman who said Creatively. that Amazon, Amazon was incredible because she could get next day delivery on like dog torture equipment. I do remember that woman. <laughs> it was me. I can't. <laughs> okay, uh, so who wants to hear about the first uh, of r- rituals to spark creativity at Amazon, Pinterest, Flipboard, and others? Fire away. Mm. Number one, the idea party. Fucking. <laughs> Wait, hang on. Is this a new name for the independent group? <laughs> <laughs> just the idea just Cucks burst out of the cake like the Marilyn Monroe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> An idea party is the way to celebrate the end of a workshop or other hands on session and to loop the rest of your organization into creative work through a lightweight event. Oh, yeah. I love when Jim Jones had one of those. (laughs) (laughs) The idea party is an event that should happen right after a creative session in which the work product from the session is laid out like an art gallery. Ideas and insights are displayed on big foam boards and others are invited to mingle and tour around with drinks and snacks. They can ask questions, leave comments, and then rank which should move forward. This ritual is meant to recognize the hard work of the team and then build on others' expertise to refine their creative work before moving forward. So that's quite a bit just like creating a piece of music, right? No. (laughs) Not at all. Again, it's just how they co-opt a quite natural process of musicians getting together, artists Mm -hmm. getting together and chilling and make it all about the bottom line. It's almost like you can't check out of work if that's... If that's happening, right? I mean, well, before you quite... chill, you've got to come up with a schedule to decide <laughs> what the chilling's going to. You know, there has to be a memo sent around yeah. to decide what what you're going to be focused on during the chilling. I feel like I feel like also when I think about having done a corporate job before, like the idea that you can take that sort of environment of where everything is pressurized, where you're having to come mm. up with things that are supposed to impact the bottom line or like that are tied to your mm. performance and your ability to keep your job, and then somehow make that into this thing. Because I'm going, you when we get together, if we like are fucking around doing a Photoshop or something, there's no Ooh. stakes involved. <laughs> We're just and, that, and that's that's a weird. Like, 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 I realize there's no stakes involved when we do the podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, exactly. But the snacks, though. But I, but, I thought, but I thought about, I thought about that because recently when we did that, I was like, you know, it's weirdly like mentally refreshing when you can actually be creative and there aren't stakes involved, and that I had not felt that in such a long time because mm. I had been in a corporate like environment before where you basically you, you, there's no such thing, and so the idea that you can take mm. take one and put like unless Amazon is also going to not be like the horrible company that squeezes all the juice out of you and fires you like they are. 
I don't mm. know how you can how you can get that that same kind of energy. Well, it's performative at that point. <laughs> They're You're the most <laughs> successful Juicero. <laughs> <laughs> They're the people Juicero, basically. What you is can just squeeze the employees with your hands. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's the thing. It's like it's. Uh, we do it's not recommend squeezing the employees with your hands. <laughs> Always use the proprietary employee juicer. <laughs> <laughs> at, some, at an event like this, right? It's everyone sort of. Performing how easygoing, loose, and creative they're being. Well, Lost inside, the work. <laughs> just having the, the anal clench of if I'm not chill, I'll lose my job. Um, here's an example some companies like to do these concept posters in a unique way. For example, Amazon has teams create a cover story at the start in which the ideas at early stages are made into front page magazine covers. This is to build excitement and clarity. There's the actually kind of precedent for this in the music industry too, where they make out that you're just kind of having a nice chill writing session with a bunch mm. of mates. And if you're kind of eager to uh, climb the, the music ladder, then you'll probably just hop along thinking this will be like a jam session while they're secretly taking all of your ideas and not giving you any credit for it. What the oh, shit? Ooh. I mean, that does happen. Really? Ghostwriting sessions or, hey man, Drake called me into be part of his ghostwriting team or just to like share ideas or whatever. Not me personally, but um, it does remind me of things that actually do happen in the music industry. Cause it, it is that it's not just creativity is it? Yeah. It's also bottom line. Well, it's, it's that, it's that any, any, cre any creative industry is like this. And like, this is even this, cause I'm reading this book right now called against creativity by mm -hmm. this guy, Ollie mold. And it's about how, creativity when it is when it is sort of personally directed is you know wonderful it's one of the mm -hmm. things that gives our lives meaning but the whole concept of creativity has been sort of quite limited and so what you're what you're really doing is you are instead of do, inventing something yourself what you're doing is creating to a spec you know, well, you so know that it's, yeah, so it's a double-edged sword isn't it because on the one hand you have like genuine creativity like making a podcast with your friends about dicks uh, that isn't marketable and isn't going to yeah. like sell. And on the other hand, you have the thing where you have to try and sort of be like Don Draper and get like this sort of sentimental creativity that's, you know, uh, what if we, you know, sold people a projector or something? <laughs> what if we sold people a projector into space? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Racism billboards, it's toasted. <laughs> what, what do gamers want to be thought of? <laughs> Why, the... adrenaline rush, it's for bitches. <laughs> Look, that's Don, you've done it again. <laughs> Look, let's be honest, that's a monkey's paw wish right there. Like someone wished for like that their name would be written in the stars and then like the monkey's paw, the last finger curled in and now it's been sort of granted in a very sort of cursed and ironic way. <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Rush, a son, adrenaline. <laughs> <laughs> I want my I want my son's name in the stars. <laughs> yeah. A really just a really fucked up genie. Mm, okay. yeah. So number two. My son's name, Nazi Moonbase. Miley, <laughs> Miley, you can't just say things that are actually true. <laughs> Ironically, it has a huge Fanta billboard on the side of the Nazi moon base because, as we know, the Nazis invented Fanta. Coca Cola, that's right. Yeah. So, number two, the fixathon. When an organization has been talking around a problem for a long time, a fixathon is a ritual event to force people to focus on getting the problem solved. It takes the intensity of a hackathon, relentless work in a concentrated spirit, and directs it to <laughs> I love it when wow. my spirit is concentrated. <laughs> and directs it to a specific innovation that needs to happen. So it's like again, how do we keep you really pressurized and panicked mm -hmm. whilst acting really cool yeah. and trendy? 
Absolutely. Yeah, Creativity is fun, right? Yeah. I was also thinking what you were talking about, about the like stealing people's ideas in a jam session kind of thing, because hackathons are famous for that shit. Uh. That like, they're like, hey, you can maybe get noticed in the industry by being a part of this. But then it's like, if you create something, they're asking, like, you have no rights to it. Yeah. And so like mm. the spirit mm. of a hackathon is like, let's get a bunch of 15 year olds and make them stay up for 100 hours coding, except it's your job. Yeah. Like I don't necessarily know if that's the spirit they want to conjure. The more tired you get, fifteen-year-olds, the more it unlocks their inner genius. I have an example. Facebook regularly runs hackathons and fixathons, in mm. which teams have twenty-four hours to work on something they don't normally do day to day, just to make people experience it is something crisis. They do. <laughs> Isn't that just community service? <laughs> I will say I love this. Like the oh yeah, like working really into, but they're trying to make it sound cool. Like oh, what if we combined like the experience of like a weird like hippie free for all with the spirit of a North Korean labor camp? Like, <laughs> <laughs> would engender the kind of vibe we're looking for at Facebook, Comrade Zuckerberg. We can happily report the goo factory has increased its output by ten percent. <laughs> Anyone from an intern uh. to a senior employee can form an IT team to create something new, which then will present to the executives, showing off their prototypes for the. And here's what you get the chance for the chance to get their development put into the main pipeline of projects. Oh, great! Yeah. Damn, I mm. love it when that happens. Claim yeah. to fame. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Hey, ba- hey, hey, baby! I don't know what you know, but I actually made the Facebook algorithm a little bit more racist. Uh, <laughs> you I know mean, what this is? Weird. This is the um, the building a model of the nuclear power plant thing. <laughs> is your Simpsons <laughs> reference, Riley? Mm. Yes. I produced some of the best goo that Kim Jong-un has ever seen. <laughs> I mean, just notice how many generals were taking notes around it. They were impressed by all the goo, yeah. too. I, I was <laughs> given a special star to commend me for my excellent work, but I wasn't allowed to keep it because that would be capitalist. <laughs> I remember that, um, That I mean, you hear these stories about things like that, where somebody, you know, you go work in a, pl- a company like Google, and if you're if you're a full-stack developer or you're, like, mm. a front-end developer or whatever, like, you might literally be working on the line of code that, like, makes the color wheel change color, and that's your job. And obviously, things like that change but mm-hmm. the idea that you're like wow do we put into production it's like okay but are you paying them more are you giving them more benefit? like mm-hmm. who knows oh, hell no. you're not gonna <laughs> own shit exactly and so in a way it just seems like hey you know how hackers do these crazy things to like make racist like racist skin mods for video games we want you to take that same energy but make more money for us and you don't get shit for it right yeah yeah and there are I, I, can't, I can't help envisaging this as an actual person i've actually seen somebody that feels like the, the embodiment of this whole process mm. at a festival who had like looked really cool he had a top knot and a waxed beard and seemed really affable and hipster like but was a total nice. wanker do you know yeah. what i mean like yeah you know those sorts of people? No, i don't I think- know anyone like that <laughs> <laughs> that actually that description sounds like it could be a wanker hipster but could also be genghis khan Who, <laughs> 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 to be fair also a controversial figure with a top knot yeah. Say some people did think he was quite the wanker in the grand scheme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember that? I vaguely recall this, but probably someone more intelligent told me about this. That in medieval Europe, there were all these people who thought that Genghis Khan was the second coming of the Messiah because they just heard about this guy advancing from the east who was like adv- uh, like amassing huge amounts of followers, and they sent all of these like Catholic bishops to go out and meet him, and he just like cut all their heads <laughs> off. <laughs> I, I remember reading. They the turned re- up, they're like, "Dang, wrong guy, <laughs> wrong guy, <laughs> not the Messiah." Yeah. <laughs> they needed to have a hat. That's what I call a hackathon. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> there was. My, my, I remember my dad told me about this. There was this book that he had to read when he was in the military a long time ago. That was like um, a book about like the leadership strategy of Genghis Khan. How they'd, he, he would take his leaders and they'd go on these rides and like you, the people who made it back who, who didn't die in the process. Like that's how mm-hmm. they they like proved them to be like worthy of being lieutenants or whatever. And it's like yes, but I don't know if I mean. Granted, tech companies kind of do that now, where it's just sort of like you wind up dying in the process because you work hundred hour weeks long enough uh, to keel over. Here's a fun thing: I I have some, I one of those builds on that. Oh fucking 
hell yeah, let's yeah. do it. Here's here's here, I'm skipping a ritual and going to ritual four. The surprise ride along. Oh good. That's when we make you all ride in a cop car and they just go around just fucking pulling people over. Close. The surprise ride along is a way to disrupt a project with leaders whisked away from offices and boardrooms and into the field. They are challenged to set aside their preconceived plans and spend the day listening, watching, and observing the people actually working um, to show how the project is meant to benefit. Isn't that like undercover boss? Yep. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa. I'm sure there's not going to be any kind of like retribution or anything from this like executive surveillance. It's all going to be there listening and learning experience. My good friend, comrade, you're going on a special surprise ride-along at the Lockheed Martin factory in uh, Washington, D.C. So here's the tip. The organizers should arrange the ride-along like a surprise party. The team members should have no idea it's coming, and they should think they're going to be going to work just as usual. Make it as much like extraordinary rendition as possible. (laughs) I'm talking black hoods bundled into a van. You're put on a plane. They start playing that Black Hawk Down music. You're convinced you're in Somalia. That actually is the 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 Genghis Khan ride along. The idea was that like it was completely unannounced. Mm. Nobody knew. They thought it was just a regular day of whatever the hell their you know daily life was. It's like daily pillaging. Their daily pillaging. Their their daily you know step galloping. And uh, instead they just went out and it's like, well, if you die, you die. And the ones who live they're they're fit to rule or whatever it's like that's exactly how i want my economy organized exactly it's it's very fun that a lot of these uh rituals that are used to spur creativity in large tech companies are really seem to run the gamut from cult to genghis khan damn culturally appropriating stuff genghis khan came up with (laughs) but it could seem quite benign at the outset you know until you get your head genghis khan yeah absolutely (laughs) genghis khan was the first was the first ceo when you think about it it was a gross market (laughs) yeah i mean genghis khan liked to symbolize gamers yeah (laughs) genghis khan liked to symbolize you know the conflicting demands of the various stakeholders in a project and he he got his um he got his team members to like feel what that was like by tying each of their limbs to a different horse and having them run in different directions (laughs) by by literally having them hold on to sharpened stakes (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna run through a couple more of these but then we we do need to we do need to carry on but Um, guys there's a serious point here (laughs) look there's there's like always there's just so much if the, if the world was marginally less stupid and terrible, then we could usually get like what feels like a review that does it justice in to an hour or twice a week, mm. but there's just never enough time. No. Uh, this is why we, need to, why we need to start streaming FIFA, so I can just say whatever's on my mind while playing mm-hmm. FIFA. It's just slurs. Mm. <laughs> I was going to say you need some heated, heated gaming moments. moments yeah. Is what you're saying. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can say terrible things about the Irish. Um, so, <laughs> the, failure, the failure wake party. The failure wake party is a way to celebrate the failure of an experiment. It should encourage the team to take risks and to have closure. Team members get together around food, music, and so on. Leaders can say a few words about what's happened, thank all the team members, and remind them that it's okay to fail. And the person who's getting fired has to lie motionless on the table and pretend to be dead. (laughs) This ritual has been used by a pharmaceutical company to keep employees engaged and motivated in an environment where a high percentage of failure is normal. It's set up like a wake, a party after death. And now a word from our Argentinian scientific representative, Dr. Joseph Mengileo. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, this- wonderful. Finnegan's, Finnegan's idea wake. <laughs> <laughs> also, yeah, it's, that's the thing. When, when, like, you know, Finnegan's not dead. He's just canceled. When Purdue, Pharma- when Purdue Pharmaceuticals like, fucked up and invent- invented an overprescribed fentanyl, then they had to have a wake for the idea. 
specifically the main yeah. casualty yeah. of the fentanyl debacle yeah well, that's just... all they had to have an idea wait because no one real died yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this would be a fly on the wall of the enron ideas wake followed by some actual wakes <laughs> <laughs> just incentivize failure basically yeah the future. yeah we mm. can't fuck up because we're so venture capital funded. So we're just going to keep doing shit and that's move fast and break things. Yeah, like mm. democracy or people's like, you know, limbic systems. Yeah. Move fast and break things. Another Genghis Khan tactic. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we're discovering a synergy here. Mm. At some point, we're just going to have to write the Genghis Khan CEO book. Like I'm our sure business book is based on, in, on on how to how to how to raid the steppes of Central Asia. How to be how to be Genghis Khan, not Genghis Khan. <laughs> <laughs> Um, anyway, that, 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 that has strong title contending to yeah. potential. Business Mongol. Mo- <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh my! There's another much darker direction that could go. <laughs> um, um, so here's the here's the last one: the Skillshare Festival. It's a lot like a music festival, but <sighs> it's shitty and boring. Um, because that's the thing. All oh, these, it's, it's, it's like the V Festival. <laughs> all of these, all of these creative um, endeavors. This is sort of you know, building on what you were saying earlier. Like all these creative endeavors. Like it's so weird and sanitized and pressurized, where it's everyone's acting like they're having a good time and they're acting like they're not stressed about losing their jobs. But also, all of these things have all the aesthetics of of like fun and enjoyment. Right. Beanbags. Yeah, mm. yeah. It's it's <laughs> like how can a- you not have fun when you're on a beanbag? <laughs> It's a bag full of beans. What a ridiculous idea. What kind of kooky character came up with this? Somehow a 14-hour shift just feels much, much shorter. I'd love to crack open a (laughs) non-alcoholic adrenaline rush with that guy. (laughs) It it just makes it so much worse. You have to pretend that you're having a great time when A, you know you're at work, and B, it's like something shitty like a skill-sharing festival. You can't even, like, you know, lie down. I'm smuggling cat into the skill sharing festival. <laughs> Your Pinterest, te- so if you like into like baking or something, you'd come and share it with a bunch of people at work. Yeah. What if mm. you don't have any interests? <laughs> you literally just do spreadsheets. That's that's to you. What if your interest was this podcast? <laughs> just explaining the podcast to people. Wonderful. Like, no, it's <laughs> called gettingyourdicksucked.com. But actually, it's a respectable news source. Well, the thing is, the debate is actually between whether the dragon is his dick or whether he's actually riding another smaller dragon that just looks like his dick because of the positioning. <laughs> no, he's not Brendan O'Neill. He's no, sorry. I'm going to stop doing this. <laughs> Uh, so it, and again, it's this creating a festive environment so people can stop, you know, crushing themselves on spreadsheets to make them more efficient at later crushing themselves on spreadsheets. Mm. It's like if it's like if if the Juicero asked politely before squeezing the bag, um, yeah, decanting all of our workers into a convenient ball pit. <laughs> God, I mean, I just think there's a longer irony in it as a jazz musician as well. I was thinking about how we're often employed to create the illusion of having fun like we're just Mm -hmm. on stage jamming making up music and if you think about the origins of the music people were actually often oppressed but having to create this illusion that we're having all this all this fun and coolness and isn't it wacky and creative wait they weren't having fun (laughs) (laughs) of course most black people were having a wonderful time in the southern states of like the really like a really dumb slave owner who thinks he's just running a summer camp <laughs> like everyone's having a wonderful time. Yeah. <laughs> Ready to go down to the swimming hole? 
fucks me. Jesus. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's, well, that's, that's part of it. Like literally creating that illusion and pretending that mm, yeah. everything's fine, everything's okay here. Because mm. the cognitive dissonance of having to confront the violence, the inequality that's behind this apparently joyful mm. sound is too much. Interesting. Deep. So this, well, no, that's, that's, let's, let's Again, follow that. Again, just like this podcast. Let's, let's, say, let's follow that for a sec. Because like a, lot of, a lot of creativity isn't just something that spontaneously happens because you, you get put into a ball pit. Right. It mm. is something that does happen to like get round adversity. Yeah, and also with the failure thing too. You don't have empirical outcomes with creativity. A lot of the music that we celebrate today was discarded literally by the industry. Nobody thought jazz was going to be a multi-billion. Everyone thought hip hop was just a waste of time. Like stick with disco. It's just a bunch of crazy black and Hispanic kids spinning on cardboard. Who wants to listen to that? <laughs> and look where we are today. <laughs> and then it get, but then it, and then that's what happens. It gets. It's it's the um it's like a, there's that great Baffler article commodify your descent right where there is there's nothing you can create that hasn't already been anticipated by someone from like a, a Coca Cola executive who's gonna put it on a T-shirt like remember mm. that, remember that ad a while ago when Pep, when Pepsi had Kendall Jenner leading a fake protest oh, but just said join the conversation yeah then uh. gave someone a Pepsi oh, no, with, no, no, no she gave a police officer a Pepsi. She gave a cop a Pepsi. <laughs> totally fixed everything. Yeah, yeah so fa famously, the cops are really cool with protesters and like it when they get gifts from them. Yeah. Famously yeah. happens a lot in America. Hey, yeah. hey, the cops, chill out. Have an adrenaline rush. <laughs> oh, God. And then the cop I takes did hear a story helmet. about somebody doing that to an actual cop at a protest and handing them a Pepsi, which they had just shaken up beforehand. <laughs> <laughs> did not respond to it well. Damn. That's now, Genius. Ooh, now, that's what I call Praxis 69. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait for someone to go fund go to go fund me a Blue Lives Matter to make that cop's day a little bit better. But writing it in the stars, <laughs> a cop with just like a Pepsi dripping down his face, going, well, "Now I really hate gamers <laughs> for some reason." <laughs> it's the, it's the, going back to it, what this what this all strikes me as is all of these all of these rituals that we're talking about are there to create the semblance of people coming together mm. to do something that they want to do, right. but to sap all of that energy and turn it into you know like a new line for the facebook algorithm or a new kind of like fentanyl or whatever yeah well it's the great binary in music as well is that for us as creatives it's often about creating stuff that brings people together different demographies different ages playing music that unites different people who can't even speak each other's language often mm -hmm. the industry is about subdividing people putting them in little nice boxes so you can market things to the under 25s mm -hmm. and to this demographic and this ethnographic subcategory etc etc and that's kind of what delineates it in the industry it's like you know, how can we commodify it all basically yeah the thing is in that field of music it's not really the creativity ritual so much as the space between the creativity rituals <laughs> <laughs> so how about the skills they don't share <laughs> <laughs> my secret skills in the, in the case of someone who's interested in this podcast it literally it should be about the interest they don't share <laughs> please don't don't do not tell your employer that you like this podcast <laughs> um any case. Gettingyourdicksuck.com is a patented idea. You cannot steal it. <laughs> I've already been thinking, it's got to be called Guides, right? Or Gids. So oh. that's, that's what they do on the BBC. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Damn. They've done All right. already. You're in. <laughs> <laughs> this has been brought to you by Gids. We've got <laughs> our com. first angel investor. It's happening. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do the theme tune at least. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Whenever you log on, it plays it. <laughs> Saxophone. Oh, <laughs>
<laughs> and then a gratuitously long saxophone solo. <laughs> like, drill, like we, seven minutes of like Dave Brubeck style. It starts off slow and, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and builds up to a <laughs> huge orchestral now. crescendo with the sax <laughs> up front. But we have to emphasize, people will sit through it because the journalism is amazing. That's the bottom yeah. line. <laughs> That's why Don't, we're here, people. Donate to the Patreons. We can make this happen, please. Yeah. <laughs> we will get Zizek for gettingyourdicksuck.com. Anyway. Well, the irony of the shite is that actually getting your dick shocked is something of an outdated concept, in my opinion. <laughs> so sorry, Romanian Joker Zizek. This is now. I mean, Zizek does sound like the Romanian that Joker. Was really I think good. Really <laughs> Thank good. You. I, I, was, I can see him. He's here in the studio. Yeah. <laughs> He's here in the studio rubbing his nose. Um, so, um, I think that. So these these are the these are the rituals of creativity. Um, I, I, it's going to be. How long until they do human sacrifice? Mm, only well, remains to let see. me tell you about my five productive rituals. They're called uh, dawn prayer, morning, afternoon. <laughs> yeah, this, it's just slowly influencing <laughs> creeping Sharia. Wonderful. So, just to 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 wrap things up today, um, I found a I found I could not help but have found this article because sometimes the article just it was it written just, in the stars. It, <laughs> in a sense, sort of. Yes. I, I, look, that's the other thing. Number one thing we're going to do when, when the Patreon finally gets Chapo money is gettingyourdicksuck.com. Number two, uh, it's going to be writing this particular article in the stars. <laughs> it's going to be like the opening crawl of a Star Wars film. <laughs> is it just going <laughs> to be telling gamers, you to though? But it's telling you, you to respect, respect gamers, gamers and <laughs> to join my NATO or watch Critical Thinking Die by Niall Ferguson. Uh. Is this going to be like the original NATO and that it's mostly going to be stocked with former Nazis? Um, <laughs> probably. Just sounding the libel klaxon right there. But. <laughs> NATO stands for not actually technically owned. <laughs> <laughs> was that technically libel? I don't think No, it I mean. No, I it's, a, it's, yeah. a, it's a historical fact. Most of the, like, West German military afterwards, after the war, were, like, rehabilitated former Nazis. Yes, rehabilitated. Mm. Um, right. Seventy years ago this month, Ferguson writes, NATO was established to protect Western Europe and the freedoms of its inhabitants from the threat of Soviet communism. It has become clear to me that we now need a similar organization to protect Western intellectuals from a growing threat to academic freedom. We need, we need nukes because people keep replying to me on Twitter with is, the image of is, a guy pooping onto his own balls. Is he suggesting that we need some kind of uh, academic um, safe space? Safe space, exactly. <laughs> Damn. For illiberal snowflakes. <laughs> <laughs> um, in, in those days, a small but courageous group of Western academics did what they could do to expose the wickedness of communism, which was not obviously talked about in Western academe at they, all. They, they did extremely, mm. the extremely courageous thing and took money from the CIA. <laughs> and to support political and religious dissidents in the Soviet sphere of influence. A member of that group was Roger Scruton, who recently mm. uh, was, did quite an, and this is me editorializing, uh, recently did a quite spicy interview with a friend of the show, George Eaton, which I recommend you go read in The New Statesman. Um, in fact, the background of this is that he was then sacked because of all the batshit insane things he said. So Ferguson is basically coming to his defense in this article. As has Jordan Peterson. Like, there's a whole bunch of uh, commas academics. Dave Rubin. Dave the, Rubin. Same, the same people that are all friends with Barry Weiss. 
<laughs> Douglas Murray. Truly, truly an, an Avengers United of people you don't want to be defended by. <laughs> the Injustice League. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I appreciate Hitler Jr.'s sentiments, but <laughs> I feel he's not helping my case. During the 1980s, Scruton traveled to communist-controlled Czechoslovakia to assist an underground education network run by Czech dissident Julius Toman. In 1985, during a trip to Brno, Scruton was arrested and expelled, it's implied, for having an opposing view. Which I'd like to add here, please remember that Niall Ferguson teamed up with a group of student Republicans uh, to wage a covert battle against his own student who he deemed too left-wing, conduct opposition research on him, and I believe try to get him kicked out of the university. He did, and he also employed one of his students who was getting a, 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 I think he was a PhD student in economic history, uh, to basically attack the student and try to like use that the credentials of his econ history PhD to be like, actually, I know what I'm talking about. It's econ 101. Yeah. Like, yeah. Basically, he, he, he's not confident enough to argue this on his own, so instead he as a professor somehow enlists students grad students yeah. to also harass his undergrads yeah, yeah. This, and this, no, this was is just NATO. like to stop him getting owned in like seminars or tutorials yes. yeah. Yeah. amazing this, <laughs> no, this is even worse than that the students were protesting probably one of his books about why you know colonialism was good uh-huh. and so this wasn't even one of his students as I understand it the undergrad in question were just students who were basically protesting the fact that Niall Ferguson got like a visiting mm. fellowship from Stanford that's so bad he was, free speech he was mad mm. that they were protesting and they, they hadn't even inconvenienced him in his own classroom they just existed mm-hmm. and thus they had to be destroyed so I just still can't get over the idea of Roger Scruton going to Czechoslovakia as like an undercover intellectual to help out these like anti-communist <laughs> dissidents just because like all of Roger Scruton's interests are like insane and abstruse he's going like yes well as you know the worst thing about the communist regime in Czechoslovakia is they're taking away all the cl- Corinthian co- columns and promoting the idea of clitoral stimulation and all the distance are like yes Okay. Uh, we were more worried about the gulags, but okay. <laughs> I guess also this. One of, his, one of his own students would have been like, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to tell him they're coming for him and that he has to run. Yeah. <laughs> Roger Scruton sneaks in like a wooden crate of aid that they think is weapons to the, con- the anti-communist resistance. And it's just a bunch of really racist salt and pepper shakers. <laughs> <laughs> the really like, personally slightly tragic thing for me is I, I remember I was at Oxford as an undergraduate doing history and Niall Ferguson was this dashing new lecturer who had come up with this idea of counterfactual history. And back then, I guess everyone could sort of posture as without an ideology. Mm-hmm. Could sort of have this air of veracity because he's an Oxford Don, a very young one, and could mm-hmm. sort of go around pontificating about what history is all about. And over time, they've just been exposed as lunatics. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I think I think also as total academic frauds too, in the right. sense that like when you actually get down to what they're arguing, if you if you go line by line, it's just absurd. I mean, like it's not it's not necessarily it's not like like fabricated, but it's such a bad, mm. obvious on its face bad faith reading of things. You're like, how did this person ever get popular? And then you realize like, oh yeah, because Stephen Pinker is popular and he writes books about cloud ships and fucking. You know. <laughs> and it's that whole end of history stuff. It was yeah. unassailed. Yeah. You know, we we won. <laughs> Everything's great with neoliberalism. There's no such thing as an ideology of neoliberalism. We are well, I mean, the they're winners. All, they're all fearing for their jobs at the end of history because you know they were all doing history. So the the, the history was going to run out. <laughs> they needed to Ferguson do an ideas was, festival. Was by far the most malign of these because he was like. Uh, sort of like the most transparent defender of empire and so he would be writing these things like ah so the there's the so-called tolerant left wants a, a safe space in this square in Amritsar and they're afraid of rational debates <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, a little bit of massacre never hurt anybody. What, what? <laughs> Shoot the blighters. Um, yeah, it's free speech to do that. But then to say you shouldn't mm. do that, that's a Stalinism. It's, yeah. also, it's yeah. also bad when communists do that, but it's good when we do it. So, yeah. yeah. Thought police. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I love the fact that thought police meme gets it's, thrown it's, out. It's, yeah. it's thought terrorists versus thought freedom fighters, yeah. essentially. Until you put on your dungarees, and then it's good when communists do it and bad when everyone else does it. <laughs> I hate it when the thought jahideen get their funding cut by the damn libs. <laughs> no, thought jahideen is an Instagram account I would absolutely follow. <laughs> For different reasons. Um, so, <laughs> scrutiny. Just like Osama Bin Laden with a photoshopped huge ass. <laughs> You're just scrutin. already talking about my new brand. Jesus, mm. <laughs> uh, Alice, I might want you to jump in with the with the sex stuff after this oh, uh, please, because yeah. Ferguson writes, <laughs> Scruton has one of the most powerful minds I have ever encountered. <laughs> no. One of the smoothest no. brains. Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> Roger Scruton oh. can move small objects by nothing but squeezing his eyes closed and thinking about a vagina. <laughs> Telekinesis. That's wonderful. Roger Scruton, or as we call him, Magneto. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he is one of those rare thinkers who seeks to change the world as well as understand and explain it. Again, uh, no other thinker has ever said that. In some kind do, of thesis on Feuerbach, maybe. Why do all these guys always end up in America, too? Like, Scruton moved to the States a while back, so did Neil Ferguson. They love a rumpled English dickhead, don't they? Yeah, <laughs> basically. They've got the accent. Mm. Yeah, oh, it sounds it, hot. It, the, the the accent and like the the imprimatur of like the the institutions that they got their degrees at makes mm. people think they must be smart. When when you actually move to Britain as an American like me, you're like, wow, people mm. are dumb as shit. <laughs> we, we must we must not only seek to understand the Hamburglar, but also to use what we had learned to change the world in a positive direction. Now, here's this is also Damn funny. Fucking Nile Statham over there. There was a time when these qualities were venerated. In 1998, he was awarded the Czech Republic's Medal. of of merit by its then president Václav Havel, himself a former dissident, and I also note again editorially <laughs> For me about the evils of the clitoris. <laughs> I also note here editorially that um, Scruton and former dissident Victor Orban are also very close friends. Excellent, very cool. <laughs> it's all about what you're a dissident against, isn't it? Really, I mean, like Hitler was at one point a dissident. <laughs> I, I, I like that we're sort of a, a hate figure podcast for tankies and stuff, and yet the line that we're taking here is, I think correctly that well when the soviets said that a lot of these dissidents were actually just fascists and weirdos they were entirely right i've had a like, point yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nope they're thought freedom fighters let's not forget that <laughs> damn. come on get it right damn everyone was bad this is just remember how everything that that the uh that the change uk proposes is not connected to ideology but it's just facts and everything everyone else does is ideology mm. this is like that it's that when they're trying to like you know do oppo research on their students for who keep embarrassing them in seminars or protesting <laughs> that's the thought police whereas anytime anyone just tells them please stop saying that actually the indians had it coming that's a stalinism um mm. so uh i'll carry on a month rarely passes without some such tale of a conservative academic being quote-unquote taken down actually no sorry before i go into that mm. uh, alice can you please um reveal what he has to <laughs> why oh, we keep talking about is, vaginas this is delightful okay let, let me read you this paragraph <laughs> This is by Roger Scruton, so this is a quote. I'm literally rubbing my hands in anticipation. Mm. Consider the woman who plays with her clitoris during our act of coition. Such a person affronts mm. me with the obscene display of her body, and, in perceiving her thus, I perceive my own irrelevance. She becomes oh, wow. disgusting to me, and my desire may be extinguished. 
The woman's desire is satisfied at the expense of mine, and no real union can be achieved between us. <laughs> Roger Scruton, please leave this strip club. We <laughs> <laughs> told you to stop coming here. It's the That's only union he's ever been in favor of. Closes down laptop in disgust. <laughs> <laughs> Roger, Scruton, Roger Scruton was actually fighting a dissident campaign to, you know, to stop the Czech Republic's communist governments campaign against horniness so he and the horniest men in england had to sneak in through the austrian border just you know to just get everybody fired up and be like but no woman is allowed to ever feel any pleasure because yeah. then mm. then the then the impression is ruined for me yeah that, well, we we're going to bring some horny people with us from austria but they were all busy well that's a great thing remember like that uh, so many of these conservative academics their whole shtick is basically to take their individual psychoses and just generalize them. It's like, well, obviously the female orgasm is gross and weird. Like, of course, I'll put that in my philosophy book. Alice, yeah. I got to ask. So that was in his, one of his books? Uh, I believe so, yeah. It was on, I think, on sexuality. Yes. Amazing. Oh, because clearly the book I want to read on sexuality is by Roger fucking Hell yeah. Scruton. Hell yeah. I love to think of Roger Scruton getting down. I, I want, well, see, I want Dark Ian McKellen writing a book about fucking sexuality. <laughs> I want to I see the, I want to see him just going to town, his high IQ haircut, mm. bobbing up and down. Oh, God. It wouldn't surprise me, though, because he also like, became a, a social justice warrior against female genital mutilation or something <laughs> in, the same, in the same breath because of the well, he thinks that's just what happens if you like, touch it ever. <laughs> uh, so, so two Falls things up. first of all externally obviously Roger Scruton is the love child of Ian McKellen and John Hurt we've established this um, and like, second of all oh, I've forgotten what the second thing was what was I going to say second so of all so you got distracted by all the fucking awesome and Damn, sexy images got, of Roger got, Scruton getting down to business <laughs> just thinking about Roger Scruton like stroking your hair rubbing your shoulders oh yeah my I, can never, all, I can never imagine Roger Scruton being young though like the youngest I can imagine him being is like Stephen Ray hey, the man's like, like Jacob mm -hmm. Rees-Mogg yeah. He was never young. Yeah. No, the second thing is that Roger Scruton is like so ridiculous public intellectual that he's wrapped all the way around into being a character from The Sopranos where he's like, hey, eating pussy is gay, yo. <laughs> he's just Junior Soprano. <laughs> no, because Junior Soprano eats pussy but denies it. <laughs> um, a month rarely passes without some tale of a conservative academic being quote unquote taken down. In March, it was the turn of the Canadian I think psychologist. It does, actually. <laughs> <laughs> there are several months that go past conservative <laughs> <laughs> academics still have their job. Yeah. And also, mm. also like, a vast conspiracy against conservative academics is the only reason that they keep getting embarrassed in public. Right. It couldn't be mm. anything else. Well, no. They're saying anything embarrassing. No. 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 The things that they say and believe and do. Not nah. embarrassing at all. No. That's just freedom of speech. It can't be any of those things. So we won't even investigate that as an option. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't be ridiculous. Um, Powerful mind. In March, it was the turn of Canadian psychologist Jordan Peterson, who was informed by Cambridge that his visiting fellowship had he had been offered at the Faculty of Divinity was being cancelled. The That's reason like getting murdered, basically. It's <laughs> <laughs> exactly like getting Damn. murdered. The reason. At a book signing, he had been photographed standing next to a man with a t-shirt bearing the, in parentheses, obviously facetious slogan, I'm a proud Islamophobe. <sighs> At a Is book that signing obviously in facetious New Zealand, in any way? Two weeks before no, the Christchurch no. shoe thing? Yeah, th absolutely. That, that, this is, yeah. Niall Ferguson's a historian, but his history kind of... He hasn't taken in new information since 1992. That's the key <laughs> issue. I, unless it pertains to him personally. Yeah. Everything since the last 1992. thing he can remember is the film Basic Instinct. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting really frightened of it. <laughs> what an obscene display of sexuality. Reclose those legs at once. Yeah. yeah, that's the thing. It's like, it's... It, the, the, 
it is more important that we give Jordan Peterson the benefit of the doubt and in so doing keep giving him prestigious and lucrative jobs, which is mm. what the benefit of the doubt means. I've, um, I'm yeah. working no on a grand, what he unified, a grand unified theory of these guys, which is that they're all a different kind of Twitter weirdo, right? Like, right. Go on. Yeah. Neil Ferguson yeah. is the kind of guy who has like a bulldog Avi and like gets up in your mentions after you say something about how Britain might be bad to talk about the Nazis. Okay. Um, Jordan Peterson obviously is like a gamer gay guy. This yep. guy is like because the thing that he got in trouble for, he got fired for um, like an architecture commission, right? Yeah, build it so, better, build it yeah. beautiful commission. Scrutiny. So, mm-hmm. Scrutiny. Yeah. So. He's the walking version of one of those, like, fetishistic Western architecture Twitters that Nazis like. He's fucking statue Twitter, basically. Yeah, he's a statue yes. guy. Yeah, they, where they, like, post pictures of, like, Rococo abbeys in Austria and, like, mm, yeah, so wonderful, the, the, the delightful, could, ne- could never be made now, because Islam is... Yeah, their whole thing is, like, this weird kind of, like, clumsily curated... Western culture is superior thing, and it's always like Greek and Roman statues, or you know, high Renaissance paintings, and be like, mm, "This is what white people created." And it's like, "Fuck's sake, okay, great." And, yeah. But like that—that that is definitely a type. And I think the, the, I, to your point, Alice, it feels like somebody like Roger Scruton, while he couldn't necessarily be on Twitter saying like only white people can create true art, if he mm. writes that in you know, sort of philosophical wrapping paper. Then also, he basically is making the same argument. I wonder how they respond to like new things, like the Elgin marbles were actually painted, or yeah. mm. you know, Cheddar Man existed. Yeah, that's that's, that's fake news. It's it's like the um, <laughs> it's like the the apocryphal uh, story about John Ruskin, the art critic, who like he got married and he almost fainted when he saw his wife because all of the statues that he'd seen had no pubic hair, so he just didn't know what it was. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, so some breaking news to like in off the uh, off the ticker. Yes. Um, someone has done some praxis because Notre Dame Cathedral is now on fire. So, right as I was saying that, uh, wow, damn, must be the yeah. Muslims again. <laughs> <laughs> Those hordes of invaders and infidels. Yeah, at yeah. the gates. <laughs> Hate it when that happens. The Visigoths are back, baby. <laughs> <baby. laughs> when I say I want a goth GF, this is what I mean. <laughs> um. So. Before before that, even, it was U.S. political scientist Samuel Abrams, who now faces tenure review at Sarah Lawrence College in New York. Not tenure review. <laughs> also, like, being murdered. It's exactly the same thing. Damn. I hate it when people review my tenure. His thought crime? <laughs> An article pointing out that academic administrators were even more left-leaning than professors. I looked into this. It's not what Niall Ferguson says, obviously. You don't really, say. Niall Ferguson being intellectually dishonest? Shocker. <gasps> oh, no. I remember that name, <laughs> Abrams. I can't remember precisely what Abrams? his... No, 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 the, the, this guy. But I, I, yeah. I don't remember precisely what his, his like, insane bugbear is. Look, um, of co- I wouldn't be me if I didn't have this in front of me already. Oh, of course. <laughs> is, is, is he a race science guy? Because I th- that's um, what he's in my is head like as. to do with, like, a... Like a- LGBT or trans student club thing? No, no, no. This is this isn't the startup segment. I will be. Mm. I'll just be telling you. You don't have to guess. Um, <laughs> as as a conservative leaning professor who has long. This is from the Samuel Abrams is writing. I'm not a conservative leaning mm. professor. Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> as a conservative leaning professor who has long promoted a diversity of viewpoints among my very liberal faculty and colleagues in my classes. What a nice guy. I was. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for promoting a conservative <laughs> viewpoint. Yeah. 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 Uh, you know where this is going. Uh, yeah. Yeah. 
I was taken aback by the college's sponsorship of politically lopsided events. Abrams said he soon learned that the Office of Student Affairs on his campus was organizing many overtly progressive events, programs with names like Stay Healthy and Stay Woke, Microaggressions, and worst of all, Understanding White Privilege, without Stay offering healthy. Worst of all. <laughs> okay, sorry, I added worst of all. He's like, for any event promoting health, there should be an event promoting sickness. <laughs> because that is balanced. Well, well, Roger Scrooge yeah. used to do that. Like, he used to write articles for Big Tobacco. So, oh, cool. yeah, no, this is balance. Yeah, and he used to. The, the, tobacco is an excellent product because it withers the clitoris. Gets a lot of, <laughs> <laughs> tobacco, you know, he's, he's just like just repeating 1960s cigarette ads. Like, it's yes, toasted, baby. The, the Western tradition is to talk about how you need flavor in your T zone in order to stave off colds. <laughs> uh, so, I love it. Understanding white privilege without offering any programming that offered a meaningful alternative. <laughs> Not understanding wow. white privilege. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> How to mistake it. Most probably his classes, to be fair, were misunderstanding white privilege still. <laughs> uh, and yet when I try and host it, uh, it's just a helpful seminar on why don't we put the gollywogs back on the jam. <laughs> Suddenly, Just for some I'm perspective, all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> Here they come. All yeah. the fuzzy wuzzies at once. It just tastes better. <laughs> That's the thing. It's like, it's like it, You can sense the panic in the behind the words, can't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we, we talked about this before about how the word intersectionality is there's like there, there's a very small cadre of people who've actually read Kimberly Crenshaw and everybody else is just angry dads who write for right wing magazines yeah. who are infuriated mm. by it and whenever they see it in college any context whatsoever they just lose their minds because they're convinced that it's like they're trying to make it illegal to be white and it's like to be fair we are we don't have intersectionality in Oxfordshire thank you it's against the law to be British now whereas it should be legal to eat pussy. <laughs> uh, right? I Contraband. Love <laughs> it's just so, so great. It's like, it's like, remember, let's go back to what Ferguson wrote that this guy, his thought crime, pointing out that academic administrators are more left-leaning than professors when actually what he's trying to do is offer counter-programming to understanding white privilege seminars. That's very different. <laughs> I would love to let him run it though. I, I want to know what the counterpoint because I feel like that's Final. one of those things where like he would get all horned up for the idea of running a counter seminar, uh. but then he would actually find it extremely difficult to know what he was talking. So it's like, well, <laughs> he'd, he'd choke. He'd be like Eminem at the first uh, rap battle. <laughs> Does he just, well, he just, like, he's like, yeah, I am a fucking bum. I do live in a trailer with my mom. <laughs> and let's not go forget. ahead. Tell these people something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tell these people something they definitely already think they know, which is the empire was fine, actually. Oh, you think that uh, white privilege is a thing? Well, have you heard of a, a, a little young man known as Eminem? <laughs> and let's not forget professors Nigel Bigger and Bruce Gilly. Both Nigel denounced- Bigger, the man whose name you cannot spoonerize. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a season. Nigel, whoa, whoa, He's immune to getting He's insulted. immune. <laughs> <laughs> he's like he's our he's our Magneto. He is he's too powerful. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the boy who lived, Nigel. <laughs> both Bruce Gilly both denounced last year for daring to point out that not every aspect of the history of the British Empire was a crime against humanity. I could go Just on, most. but you get the picture. Just most of them. Mm. It's remarkable how little the dial has like shifted. I've been saying literally the same thing for twenty years. Slavery did some actually quite commendable things. So <laughs> yeah, we built railways we- in India for fuck's sake. Railways, yes. railway trains. <laughs> Who doesn't like trains? <laughs> the left <laughs> love trains. <laughs> and suddenly, when we build them. <laughs> 
Tell me what he loves, sugar. Sorry. <laughs> Don't ask any questions about how we got it. Do <laughs> <laughs> they love their Indian restaurants with spices? Where do you think we got the spices? <laughs> yes, but slavery was bad, but now Bristol has a lovely concert hall. <laughs> <laughs> and who doesn't love concerts? <laughs> but yeah, the thing, it's scary. Like, is their whole thing is that it's anything, any minute challenge to their to the worldview that they got in like. GCSE history is considered beyond it, the pale. It's, it's like TERFs, right? Like, their thing about yeah. there's only two genders and you can't change them. Because, And I know that because I did eighth grade biology and I'm not going to pay attention <laughs> to any science after that. I know this because I did AQA history at A-level, thank you very much, and that means that I saw that cartoon of Hitler and Stalin are equally bad and nothing else, and I'm not going to like challenge that or learn anything. Absolutely not. It, it, the whole thing is like I've I brought this. This is a comparison I've made in the past. I think it's appropriate to make again. Is that every time you see these people offer these high-minded defenses of sort of of that how they are generals of the mind or whatever. Well, when we like, say high-minded, we mean <laughs> it's like it's a lot like it's a lot like being super high, being like haughtily <laughs> haughtily condescended to by someone reading a book upside down. Like it's just right. it's, well, they never do any fucking work. work. <laughs> like they're all purportedly historians. When what actual study do they do besides teaching these just, endless well, fucking seminars That's about like the <laughs> dressed up version of it's okay to be white? I, I'm so fucking pissed that I have like to have everybody these poops, but for being white. <laughs> these fucking sclerotic contrarians taking up yeah. space in my mind. I have yeah. better things I could be doing. I, I, I've been getting into Red Dead Redemption. I have this girl who wants to practice rope on the You're need to extend instead, your palace, Alex. Yeah, <laughs> instead, I'm doing this. And from now on, and there is some tiny part of my brain, Roger fucking Scruton is going to be there, and I have to remember who he is. So thank you for this, right? Like, but dragging Cheers. me Nigel off my figure is now occupying. <laughs> <laughs> Alice stumbles into a storage room of her mind palace, and there is sat Roger Scruton going, "Have you ever considered fingers tented? Stole the clitoris." <laughs> <laughs> and here's the here's the other the, uh, the the there are two kinds of universal element to these conservative articles. One is. Um, everything I learned about everything I learned in Economics 101 or GCSE history or 8th grade mm. biology. The other thing is where they accidentally admit that everyone hates them. <laughs> the most striking feature is the near complete isolation of the target. Did Abrams' colleagues step up to defend academic freedom? His academic freedom, rather? On the contrary, 40 of his fellow professors endorsed the, students le the student leftist demands that his tenure be reviewed. You know what this Damn. is like, though? It's, it's, it's not on the right, but do you remember that article Zizek wrote about just getting owned by his kid? <laughs> <laughs> it was like, oh, I, sh I sit down for dinner, reach my son, and he tells me to go fuck myself. And like, <laughs> he just, he and just I say, why that. would I do this? This is a waste of time. Yeah. <laughs> I could have a machine fuck itself while I think about James Joyce or something. Uh, yeah, it's like clearly, if this... He's just widely disliked by everyone yeah. around him because he wants to lead a seminar on misunderstanding history. Yeah. I, mean, I just I just feel like there's this underlying current between all these people and, 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 and between the people that defend them, certainly the, the the ones of a certain age that defend them and want to go on about like the snowflakes, et cetera. It's basically mm. my dad loved Winston Churchill. 
he didn't love me, but I have to love Winston Churchill because <laughs> my, my dad will love me somehow. I read Scruton's biography in preparation for this, and there's some strong oh, wow. daddy well issues content oh, there. No, so, nice. So he's he was a grammar school boy. He went. He grew up in like the Midlands, I think. And his dad was hardcore revolutionary communist, which king. Um, <laughs> he's he's said before Toby, that yeah. Corbyn reminds him yeah. of his dad. And my favorite detail oh, yes. that I picked out is, yeah, is that when he told his parents that he'd gotten into uh, gotten a place at Cambridge, his father stopped speaking to him. <laughs> <laughs> just, oh, just, uh, my, just bodied. I and, hate you, Jeremy. I mean, Dad. <laughs> my father also made jam, and, it, and it, always, it always stuck with me how he would tear the gollywogs from the labels, and I would collect the little pieces and stick them back together and make hand puppets of them, enjoying their work tilling the fields. Uh, and the problem is, like, now... Picking the marrows. Now... <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, we've got a lot of marrows on this here plantation. We're always going to need marrows. God, you've, been, you've been going to some strange places with the accents today. Yeah. I'm just enjoying the idea of a Louisiana marrow plantation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. call that a coolers down in these parts. Yeah, so that's, that's, that's the cool <laughs> thing. Nate's face! I don't know what the fuck a marrow is. Oh, it's 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 like a it's like a big it's like a big zucchini. If you if you Google, you'll find like a zucchini, zucchini but it's like holding the, a like gigantic one. Yeah, I've never heard that word. An English ass vegetable. Yeah, yeah. So, so the French word courgette uh -huh. is yeah. small a small courge, which is a marrow. Mm -hmm. Okay, 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 yeah. okay, okay. I get it now. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. so confused. You could yeah. you could read it on my face. I'm like, what? I thought I thought you were just upset by the accent. <laughs> I, no, I I know what a marrow is. I was upset by the accent. Mm. Um, <laughs> I think no he just pretended to think. know what it is, so you'd stop doing the accent. Yeah, yeah, no, I get it. Come on, Mara's Well, that's how we got ourselves into a classic conundrum down here. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody knows what a Mara is in any of these days. God damn it. I, I don't even what? know. So, <laughs> just planning for the new Bristol Transformer, well, um, but it's just you so go around and battle who's everyone had a marrow. <laughs> so we, we used to joke you about buy this. A on every street Whenever corner. I try to do an English accent, Milo makes fun of me because I went up sounding like. like no, do, do, do one then. No, I, 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 I want to sound like a Canadian Australian, basically. Whereas yeah, do when Milo does an Amer a Southern American accent, it's like he he went south of New Orleans and went into the ocean. The <laughs> 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 civilization that no one like, knows about anymore. Yeah, I'm, no, I'm drinking BP oil spill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's and yo, and now you're ready to be a conservative intellectual. Huge. Um, so the the article concludes. <laughs> what, what does it tell us about a hamburger? <laughs> he only steals hamburgers, but he never steals a marrow. <laughs> so the lesson of the, the lesson of the Cold War is clear, which should have annihilated all of us. So I didn't have to listen to those terrible accents. Oh, I thought that was a genuine quote from the article no. for a second. I was like, the lesson from the Cold War is clear. I was like, go should on. Have us all. No, My is, dick was hardening this, in anticipation okay, of that. This quote. is from the actual article. Okay. The lesson from the Cold War is clear. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> oh no. From now on, an attack on one of us must be considered an attack on all of us. I therefore invite all who believe in the fundamental human freedoms to sign a new non-conformist academic treaty. I like that nobody's going to wow. do this. Yeah. Like you in, fuck with screw in, you get Ferguson. In 2005, you could at least do like a Houston manifesto for like muscular liberalism and principled intervention. Mm. Now you just print this thing. You don't actually expect anyone to sign the fucking thing. So, <laughs> yeah, wonderful.
Yeah. It's what? just like intellectual Brian Adams. Because it's all for one and all for just staying that white privilege isn't a thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's, we have to defend our right. Because when you think about right, it, like, can you format that in 14 words? It is amazing to me because many of the things they're complaining about is that someone wrote a mean article about me, or even not even a mean article, Mm. just like an article that's critical of what I've said, or someone said something disrespectful to me on Twitter. And the worst thing is, that's relatable. Like, when somebody says something mean about me on Twitter, I am like, I have been murdered. This is worse (laughs) than having murdered me. I I too want to invoke the NATO charter and invade Afghanistan because somebody made fun of me on Twitter. I I hate it when gettingyourdicksucked.com factually reports something I said (laughs) and I go to tenure review. But I I really do... It it really does come down to it should be illegal for people to disagree with me. Well, it's all yeah. really, really... <laughs> yeah. But also, Stop reading my Also, bio. bristling with sexual inadequacy and obsolescence. I think that's mm. underpinning it all, too. These women don't need me to pleasure themselves. <laughs> ah, they've got the marrows. They can touch themselves however they want. Well, the, other, the other thing, the though, like... The obscene spectacle of a woman pleasuring herself with a marrow. Is the that other is a foodstuff, oh. girl. It just sounds That's like advertising this in some hideous country show. <laughs> Step this way for a woman. Now look at here, boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't want to join in. I'll, I'll leave you to <laughs> That's a fine vegetable. Well, look. The one thing, the one thing I think it is important to remember, right, is that these guys aren't just wanting to be agreed with and like sh- liked. It's like the one thing that they're trying to do, but they also have these incredible grifts they're trying to preserve. Mm. Roger Scruton just gets to like do a loose sort of um, a word association about how like his weird sexual hangups, and then he gets paid an enormous sum of money for it. Mm. Now Ferguson gets to never have learned anything new since he was fifteen and get paid an enormous sum of money for it, like. What well, they're we, really we, we like John to Stuart Mill get paid a m- small amount of money yeah. for it. <laughs> so what they're what I think what Ferguson is really talking about is actually like no, we have an incredible grift going. We need to stand yeah. firm to make sure we keep stacking this paper. We need to. We yeah. have secured the bag. We must keep <laughs> the bag. Absolutely. Uh, All of these people probably sneer at Patreon too, right? <laughs> and that's it. Like insecurity of tenure is something that uh, Nicola Ruddock, uh, professor, done great work about how black female academics find it impossible to ascend the academic ladder in most British universities. I'm sure that's just a coincidence. No, that's, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's, just, sorry, no, that's actually just, that's actually meritocracy. If they did STEM subjects, of course. <laughs> nah, they themselves more marrows. Yeah. Uh, it's, the, it's the sheer incapability of any kind of self-reflection upon like the Niall Ferguson and Richard Dawkins of the world. Mm, right. Because like, you know, if they were able to think about this for five seconds, then he wouldn't have written an article talking about how like, it's basically it's a Stalinism when like when my friend tries to start a misunderstanding white supremacy seminar and gets his tenure reviewed for it. Meanwhile, as you're saying, like black female academics like are even like controlling for rep- representation are still underrepresented in getting tenure. Right, right. And it's something that every black professor I've met has had to contend with. I have to shift universities. The faculty is not going to be supported this year, etc. Mm. The idea that this calcified racism has just kind of stayed in place for at least 20, 30 years, unchallenged, and probably way longer than that, obviously, is what's so terrifying to them. And it does tie into the, dare I say it again, the sexual insecurity. It's just, everything was fine <laughs> before you stopped, started putting your hands down there. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing's wrong with being calcified. It suits me perfectly fine. So, I'll, 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 ra- I'll wrap up the article here because it finishes on quote. 
quite a sentence. Okay. Considering the conversation we've just had, Drum roll. it fitters mm. on quite a sentence. Mm. Okay. The present danger to free thought and speech is not Red Army tanks pouring through the Fulda Gap in Germany. It is the Red Army... As if it would be that. <laughs> <laughs> God, I hadn't even heard about this. <laughs> it is the Red Army of mediocrities waging war on dissent within academia and the media. This is this is Milo's Brendan O'Neill. That's not real. <laughs> Damn, it's the Medi- chattering classes again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mediocrity's waging dissent. Because if you agree with me, then you must be mediocre and thereby jealous. Yeah. Because nothing <laughs> I'm done, I've done is mediocre. Yeah. Hence my book no. about why women touching themselves makes me un- unhappy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is why I was able to write um, The Empire Was Actually Okay 5. This time it's about the railways in Burma. And you have to contextualize it with the whole roads must fall movement and just like, students and yeah. people saying, actually, there's an alternative view. So you didn't learn that in, in, in GCSE history, so it doesn't count. Yeah. No, so you so that's get all into, like, email chains to harass those students individually. It's <laughs> yeah. but also, very normal. It's a kind of strange um, propaganda or strange indoctrination that happens because all throughout GCSE and A-level, we were sort of taught to write, on the one hand, this, one form of racism, on the other hand, another form yeah. of racism, <laughs> and to believe that somehow you steered a course to veracity from yeah. presenting two flip sides of the same coin. Now a whole new set of ideas and principles have come along. They're literally shitting the bed. Yeah. It is time to confront these people with the one thing that will deter them, as it once deterred the Soviets, massive retaliation. Uh, That's quite... Damn, my one weakness. <laughs> Massive retaliation. Yeah. <laughs> when I was like, uh, Herr Hitler, the Soviets have found our one weakness. What is it? 20 million troops. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> How did they know? <laughs> I guess it's penned to sound quite intimidating, but what the hell are they going to do? Just stop all these women and blacks from writing stuff. What does massive retaliation look like? It's posting. It's, it's posting, well, but it's a respectable all, posting. They're all oh. getting jobs on gettingyourdicksuck.com. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. All of these guys have the same aesthetic. Like, they're all kind of issued a big rumpled suit and they kind of get smaller and the suit gets bigger <laughs> and they just shrivel into it and they're just kind of quite. <laughs> Quiet voice coming from inside talking about the clitoris. Wonderful. <laughs> All right, wicked. I've got to run. Yeah, uh, it's, wrap. Ra- <clears throat> it's time to wrap. Oh man. Oh, well, that was that was one hell of a time. Um, Sweetie, do you have anything going on? Yeah, um, I'm going to be dropping a new EP with new tracks such as "Politics Is Broken." Try and guess where that slogan came from no, for my tinge an people out there. Party. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Chucking the rule book out. Um, so yeah, that's happening. I'm also working on a new piece, which I will announce the title of here as an exclusive. I'm not really supposed to, but I'm going to do it anyway. It's called yeah. The Black Peril, and it's coming out in November of this year. And it's all about race riots that happened 100 years ago in Britain. So mm-hmm. maybe we'll have another chat about it in the future. Yeah. But That'd be amazing. Wicked, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Let's, let's make sure we get that done. Word. But then we'll um, also do a counter episode with Roger Scruton. <laughs> <laughs> For the sake of balance. Um, and oh. finally, since this is out on our Patreon, um, you know, you already subscribe, but uh, you also don't forget to please uh, vote for Trash Future in the British Podcaster's Choice Listener's Choice Absolutely. Awards. Ooh. Because we really, like I said, I want to go on that stage and get dragged off by my fingernails talking mm-hmm. about how gamers are the real persecuted minorities in this country. Absolutely. <laughs> also, this is coming out on Thursday, right? Yes. Yeah. So also, tonight, I'm doing a preview of my Edinburgh show at the Secford at 8pm. If that's too short notice for you, the following week, on Wednesday at 8pm, uh, there'll be another smoke comedy where the headline will be Mickey Overman. There will be links to tickets in the description. Hell motherfucking yeah. 
Thanks, so, everyone. Thanks, everyone, for coming yep. on. So, it was great thank to you, see you thank again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank and, you very much. And thank you all for listening. Later. Thank you.